I'm Chip Freud, and this is the Artist Spotlight, conversations with contemporary artists based on five simple questions that explore the artist's journey, creativity, and sources of inspiration. Welcome to this episode of the Artist Spotlight podcast. Today, I'm joined by Matt Hersheimer, an acrylic artist whose various subjects and styles range from the introspective and nostalgic to the quirky and comical. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chip. Thanks for having me. This sounds like fun. As uh, you know, uh, this podcast is really all about the uh, five questions. But before we roll into that, one of the things I like to ask each of the guests on the show is tell us a little bit about current project, maybe that you just finished or something you're about ready to start. The current project, I would say, is uh, in the town of Raleigh and kind of near downtown. There's this place called the Idle Hour Coffee House. And uh, I've just completed a picture of this, the storefront from the street view. Um, my goal is working with them to get it on the wall inside there for a bit of advertisement, not only for me, but for a, a gallery that's nearby that I'm in, which is that FYC gallery. Um, so it's kind of a fun project. It's a, it's a cool location. And uh, the coffee and their treats there are really good. Ah, I'll have to make point of swinging on down and check yeah, that out. Yeah. So let's just uh, roll right into our five questions. The uh, the first question, and, and frankly, I think this is my favorite of all of them, is uh, what's your earliest memory of making art of any kind? You know, that's uh, it's probably later adolescence. Um, I always enjoyed doodling. And uh, when I was like an older adolescent, I always enjoyed doing cartoon drawing, type drawing you know, caricatures of people, certainly not replicating the people, but the idea of making fun stuff, fun faces. Um, and that it wasn't until really high school that I got into painting. Uh, but the earliest memory is just drawing and doodling and cartoons. Hmm. Yeah, if, if I had to think about it, I've never been much of a drawer or a painter, but I did do my fair share of doodling in the margins of my notebooks. Yeah, and that's a big, that was a big one. Um, I remember clearly notebooks full of little drawings because I think I, do, I, think I do have an attention problem where I, I got to be doing something. So if like there's a lecture going on, I ended up, you know, and, and it helped me pay attention too, but I always, I did that chip. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, as I've gone back in some of my old school notebooks, it was the doodles and the uh, the little things in the margin that were the most interesting. Forget about the class notes. <laughs> it was, what was I actually thinking about at that yeah. time? There was, uh, I do remember early on in my childhood too, um, there was certain cartoonists in Mad Magazine. You know, some of that was way over my head when I was a young kid. You know, because it was satire on stuff that, you know, movies we hadn't seen and stuff like that. But there was a guy that used to doodle in the margins. I don't know if you remember that. He was a cartoonist. And they were hilarious. And yeah. they said so much with just one little image. And I do think, you know, now that you mention it, he was kind of like a mini hero of mine because he was so good at that. Oh, neat. I love that little kind of nuggets yeah. there. Thank you. Well, we've already established that you're a painter. Um, what brought you to this medium? 
And what is it about it that that keeps you going? You know, when I when I got out of college, so I didn't go to college for art. Um, but, you know, before I was really established, I came home for school. I graduated mid-year, so it was cold Chicago weather. And uh, I got a job at a hotel. And I was doing hotel safety and security, which is, you know, my career was really in safety. And my mom must have known something. She knew I liked to doodle, and I always did cartoons. Um, but for Christmas that year, she had got me a uh, an art kit that had colored pencils, had, you know, um, watercolor paints, had pens. And she must have known something because I, I kind of gravitated towards that. And the job I had, I got done at midnight. And so when I got home, none of my friends were around, you know, everybody was in bed. So it was kind of a isolating job. And so, and you can't go right to sleep. So I ended up taking the artwork and uh, doing stuff with it. And I remember my first projects being recreating album covers in watercolor. Mm. So I would say my first step into painting was watercolor and do that. And in fact, I kept with watercolor all the way up until really only a couple of years ago where I switched into acrylic. And I still dabble in watercolor. Um, but mostly I, li- I like the liberating feel of acrylics because watercolor used to have, a, have to have a really tight drawing and you had to spend a lot of time on your drawing before you committed paint to paper. Acrylic, you can kind of correct things as you go. Watercolor is not that forgiving. But I'm, I'm not sure I strayed from your question. I mean, the medium went from watercolor later on in life to acrylic. But I, I think you, you got there with the acrylic and the, what I gathered out of what you said there is one of the things you liked about acrylic was the ability to sort of correct because you can layer on top. You can effectively just keep painting until it's yeah, right. Exactly. Whereas watercolor, you know, you've only got so much of that before you end up with just a, a, a gray brown puddle. Yeah, in fact, I was just reminded of it because uh, an old, old friend of mine from many years ago asked me if I would recreate the uh, wise guys movie poster so i was working on that today too and i was reminded of watercolor that if you spill on the white space some of the pigments you can't get out of the white space and you got to be very careful or you ruin the image and so i was kind of reminded of that stress today as i was working on that so uh but he didn't want acrylic so i was forced to okay okay the the next question leads us into uh, you know what inspires your work where does it come from I know you do some things as commissions but let's focus on the things that aren't commissioned yeah I would say and my my kids make fun of me I have thousands and thousands of photographs that I've taken in my lifetime and in fact when we would go on vacation I'd I w- I'd always be the kid straggling behind taking pictures and what attracts me is the way really the way lights hit the building and define the structure. And I like isolating scenes like that. And I will say one of my all-time heroes is Edward Hopper. And there's something he did with light and shadow that just, you know, sucked me into the painting. And I, I love that feel. And I love nostalgia. I love the memory of places. And it's usually when I'm walking down the street and see something, it's something that hits me in the gut. Uh, or punches me in the face going, wow, will you look at that? And I have to stop and study it. And, uh, you know, I usually take a picture and, you know, later on work in the studios. But it's really that, it's really mostly, I mean, buildings, old buildings just blow me away. 
you know, with the details that they used to put in these old buildings and, you know, the workmanship that went into them and the stories you could probably tell of years and years of people living there. But there's something about that that I gravitate towards. Interesting. Well, and I would imagine I'm thinking about a conversation I had with uh, Ryan Fox, a watercolorist who you may know. Um, one of the things that he said he liked about painting, he, like you, has a huge library of photos that he draws from. But the idea was he started off as a photographer. And if you have an old building, but it's got modern accessories over top, you know, power lines, whatever it might be. He's like, with painting, I just put in what belongs and I don't put in the things that don't belong. I would say that that's an interesting point and, and something probably artists more than photographers probably strive is, you know, simplifying the image. You know, what stays in, what goes, what what tells the story you're trying to sell. So I totally get what Ryan said. And he is very good, by the way. Yeah. Well, and with photography, you know, taking things out of the image is about, you know, you've got lens choice as well as where do you actually put your feet, right? right? Oh, I'm going to move a few feet to the right, a few feet to the left, whatever it might be, um, where it's it's very much a reductive art form, whereas with painting, you keep adding to the canvas, right. um, and it's an additive art form in yeah. many respects. Oh, yeah, different ways to think about it, yeah. Absolutely. Well, cool. As um, you think about uh, your career as an artist, if you were to sit down with a new artist, somebody just starting out, um, what advice might you give them? You know, it's it's a tough one because I certainly I certainly see the value of you know people that go to art school um, and learn things, but I also hear that art school teaches a lot of things, but sometimes not the actual expertise of your craft. So, you know, one thing I would tell people is whatever you like to do, do it over and over and over and you will improve, you know, if that is your desire to keep it, if you have the vision of what, where you need to be going, you will improve. But I'd also tell a, you know, a new artist that uh, there's nothing wrong with having a different job than what your art is. And, you know, I spent my career mm -hmm in a different job than art, but I always did it. And, you know, kind of like when you're growing up playing baseball, very few of the kids playing baseball make it to the major leagues, you know, but everybody has that aspiration, but the law of averages are, it's very difficult to be at the pinnacle. And, and similarly with art, uh, if you look at who's making, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's a very small population. And so, you know, I, I don't want to dash anybody's dreams, but I'm kind of saying it's very hard if you don't have something feeding you, it's very hard to feed yourself with your art. And, and you should never feel bad about having to do that. You know, you can have a job that provides what you need to live and eat and things like that, but keep pursuing your art because one day the right matchsticks will fall and you might be able to make a full-time living doing that. And even if you don't, um, you know, clearly I enjoy, I'm in a couple galleries, I sell stuff occasionally, and I enjoy that, you know, could I live off it right now? Hmm. Not yet, but, you know, as a young artist, you need to think about what do you have to do to head down that path? Mm -hmm. And certainly isolating yourself as an artist and being hungry, it's an option, but I don't know if you need to do that. 
Yeah. Well, I, and uh, I think that also applies to the performing arts. Um, I've got a, a couple of kids who are musicians, and one of them has really figured that out that, all right, I'm going to hold down, quote unquote, my day job that's going to pay the bills, keep the roof over the head, keep me fed so that I can make the music that I love to make. And at some point in time, hopefully there's a crossing of the income lines such that, you know, you can get to uh, having the uh, the art, the passion, paying the bills. Uh, But I think that's a really important piece of you're you're not it doesn't denigrate your art to do work that allows you to do your art. And in some way, it's, it's kind of like a liberating, too, because you have the money to do your art. Um, but similarly, you know, mm-hmm. I think about your kids, you know, I'm always amazed and I always wish I was talented in the music industry because I would be the guy that took my trombone out to the street corner and I would play with my open suitcase. I would do that. And those guys are tremendous. And that is, you know, an additional source of income. You know, because mm-hmm. people will walk by and, and throw you money for that art form and there's nothing wrong with it. No, you're not making at people all. happy. You're making yeah. beautiful music. It's uh, and similarly with an art, you know, artist, people will pay for that. You just have to find the right niche and the right style um, to get going. Yeah. Well, as I was uh, speaking on an earlier episode with Kathy King, the whole idea is when you're selling and marketing your art, don't think about you know pushing or selling it on people. It's really about finding your audience and find the people that that want your art and help them really it's the other way around really help them find you right you know and you're then satisfying their need to have your art that they didn't know they initially needed until they until they see it Um, right because not every piece of art is for every buyer. I mean, they, you know, what's the old adage? Art is in the eye of the right. beholder. It's kind of like uh, the flea markets and the uh, antique store. You know, everybody going into one of those places is looking for something different and something will pop yeah. off the shelf and poke them right in the eye. Uh, same with art, you know, yep. totally true. Indeed, indeed. So we wrap up each one of our sessions on the podcast with um requesting recommendations and that is you know is there an artist or what artist would you suggest everybody go check out yeah well that's uh that's a great question you know in one of the programs i I don't know who uses uh one note out there but every time i stumble across an artist i like i put their name under artists i like in a list you know Mm -hmm. and i i go visit their galleries because they're they're inspiring um i will say for anybody who's in the painting craft, probably one of my most enjoyable artists that I listen to and watch frequently is uh, a guy named Michael Chamberlain. And uh, I think it's uh, Chamberlain Paintings is what he is under YouTube, but he is so free giving of his talent and his perspective and how he does things. And he's got hundreds of YouTubes where he goes out and does plein air painting. He's just a very mm-hmm. enjoyable person to listen to because he educates. He talks about how he puts paint down and what he looks at. And then and in the course of 10 minutes, he starts from zero to a completed painting. And I've, I've probably been following him for a couple of years, but I just find him endlessly inspirational. And, you know, so that's a suggestion too. you know, find somebody out there that inspires you 
um, and maybe that works in a style that you do. And, you know, really art and life is all about learning. You know, keep adding skills to your tool belt so you can go out and do what you like to do. But I would say Michael, Michael right. Chamberlain is a big, uh, I'm a big fan. Well, I'm going to have to go check out Michael's work. You've got me yeah. intrigued. Well, we wrap down by first of all saying thank you, Matt, for spending some time and giving us some thoughts and insights on your uh, your craft. Um, if folks want to check out more of your work, they can uh, go to your website, hersheimer.com. Uh, they can also see your work at our favorite gallery, Cary Gallery of Artists, as well as the 311 Gallery in downtown Raleigh and the For Your Convenience Gallery in Raleigh as well. Uh, is there any other place that uh, folks can uh, follow you, track you down? Yeah, I guess the other big place is Instagram, Matt Hershimer, or at Matt Hershimer. So all my stuff gets posted as I work on it there. So. Well, thank you again, Matt. Have yourself uh, a great rest of your day. And to the rest of our audience, thank you for your time. And uh, we look forward to your joining us on our next conversation in the Artist Spotlight. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Artist Spotlight with Chip Freund. Find accompanying blog posts at chipfreundphoto.com slash blog. And you may subscribe to our show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like listening.